Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Monday. Um, what's wrong with getting university students to volunteer? We'll find out shortly. Uh, big lotto draw coming up tomorrow night. And uh, comparing electric versus petrol lawnmowers in ways you might not expect. But before any of that, it uh, looks like they're finally doing something about vaping. And when I say they, everybody except ACT. Why does ACT hate it so much? Because it says it's a backward step. Leader David Seymour was quoted as saying the ban on vaping flavours and advertising will kill off the best tool for quitting smoking and will condemn more people to cigarettes for longer. So does he have a point? Well, I don't think so. Those who are mature enough to have smoked for years and want to quit and take up vaping can do so. I'm sure they're not the ones worried about the fact that the Tutti Frutti flavour won't be on sale at the dairy anymore. I'm sure they're happy to buy from licensed registered sellers. I'm sure they can choose their own vape products without having them marketed in their face every day. The concern when it comes to vaping is not those who are quitting smoking, but those who are picking up nicotine addictions by taking it up, having never smoked before. Kids as young as eight. In the world of teens and preteens, vaping is huge. And here's the irony, smoking isn't. They're a generation warned off cigarettes, yet they seem to think vaping's cool. And it's blatantly targeted at children. Look at the flavours and the way it's advertised. The kids think it's cool. School principals have been jumping up and down about this for ages. And in fact, Celeste said this legislation is partly aimed at reducing the appeal of vaping to kids. But Axe David Seymour poo-poos it. He says there's no real evidence that more young people are taking it up. He says it's all anecdotal. Well, it might be at the moment. Give it a few years and there'll be real proof. Mark my words, the fact the evidence is anecdotal now doesn't mean it's not a real concern and a real issue. ACT has done a lot of smart things this year. Objecting to this legislation, I don't think, is one of them. Yeah, it seems a bit strange. Uh, Most people seem pretty keen on uh, cracking down on the vaping. Uh, Where does Kerry McIver stand? This was the study that came out in January of this year from Auckland University. It involved 27,000 year 10 students aged 14 to 15. And a quarter of those who had at least puffed on an e-cigarette had never actually tried tobacco. So tobacco was seen as nasty, vaping cool. I wouldn't have thought that was a huge number of people, perhaps being, of young people being introduced um, to cigarettes or to inhaling, ingesting stuff into your lungs, using vaping as a gateway. The thing is that they just don't have the long-term research to say it's bad, but intuitively you would have to think that ingesting anything into your lungs is a bad idea. We're constantly told about air pollution, that even the air that we breathe can be bad for us. Farley's actually putting a substance into our lungs. How common is vaping around where you are? Do your workmates vape? Have they switched from cigarette smoking to vaping? Is it actually working as a cessation tool? Are young people looking at vaping as as a kind of cool thing to do? And will the legislation, once it gets passed tomorrow, and we can be fairly confident it will, once the legislation is passed, will that give you a bit more teeth and a bit more grunt in your household to say, no, no vaping, 
you're 15 years old, it's against the law. Surely um, you can just get your kids to do what you want by threatening to take the internet off them, can't you? Isn't that how it works these days? Um, anyway, so that's that's vaping. Uh, eventually, teenagers might go to university and uh, they might get sucked into volunteering for stuff. Is this bad? What exactly is volunteerism? Right, volunteerism uh, is a fairly recent uh, uh, way of mixing volunteering, uh, our intent to do good to those around us, for those around us, uh, and tourism together. Um, and packaging tours where we may go um, uh, do some whitewater rafting uh, in a low-income country. Uh, and then as part of that package, we might also spend some time volunteering at an orphanage or in a school. Okay, uh, well, what's your problem with that? And it sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it does. Why shouldn't we help the people around us? And I suppose there's a couple of problems that come with that. And one of the key issues here is that what, uh, what this essentially does is it turns those people in orphanages or in schools in low-income contexts uh, into uh, part of a tourist attraction. Uh, and uh, what does an orphanage need? It needs orphans. Uh, and one of the things that uh, volunteerism as an industry has helped to promote is actually uh, a, a significant growth and increase in the number of orphanages that are operating in, in several Southeast well, Asian countries. For if, if you have orphans that have nowhere to live, an increase in orphanages is not a bad thing. But are you suggesting right. that so perhaps they're not really orphans? In many these instances, these are pseudo-orphans. Not yeah. real orphans. So, yeah. Um, uh, they become then essentially a necessary part of the market uh, to ensure that um, the operators can attract uh, more tourists to come by uh, and leave either financial goods are you, or, or whatever else. So are you saying that people on the ground in these poorer countries are gaming the system? Absolutely. Oh dear. Uh, everything's so complicated, isn't it? I do remember being in Bangkok once and uh, seeing people uh, begging and pretending that they had disabilities. There were lots of people who did have disabilities and then there were other people who just sort of had things tied up in the way but by things I mean limbs and stuff like that and then, then they went and trying I don't know if that's the similar kind of thing but it sounds like a similar kind of thing um boy oh boy maybe those people should get a lotto ticket uh, imagine what they would do with 42 million 350 million dollars we're spending more on lotto in 2017-18 than we did in 2014-15 and as Glenn says, that's $350 million more going on gambling and not on food. Now, has he got a point? And, and I have to say, I totally agree with him. Of course he's got a point. That is $350 million that is taken out of your day-to-day -day budget, New Zealand's day-to-day -day budget, to be spent on lotto. Now, who's spending this? Everyone is spending this, but the people who spend more who cannot afford to spend more are those people who need a, you know, a saviour from their condition, a, a money injection of cash. People who are poorer, and they're spending their however much fifteen, thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred dollars on this thing on the hope that they're going to get money back, big money back, and all their problems will dissipate. And yet at the same time, we're hearing so many stories of so many people from the middle class down who are only just scraping by with all the expenses. 
and yet we're spending $350 million more now buying lotto tickets than we did four years ago. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, I'm not saying no lotto, but what I am saying is no Powerball jackpots. Cap it. Because there's absolutely no doubt that the big jackpots have contributed to an increase in spending on lotto tickets by average New Zealanders. I even thought of buying a ticket this weekend, and I don't buy lotto tickets. My father-in-law always says that your chances of winning only increase very fractionally uh, by buying a ticket, which is kind of true, I think. I don't really understand how those statistics work. Let's move on quickly to uh, a lawnmower discussion Marcus was having last night contrasting the, uh, the the petrol with the battery. I apologise about this question, Barbara, and I hope this is not impertinent. No, that's all right. Could you tell me, could you make with your mouth the kind of noise it makes? Um... So it's not as not, loud as... It's not, it's not, not, it's not, not like a motor mower, not like... Okay, that's pretty good. Oh, you're good with noises. Can you do a chainsaw? Okay, so um, okay, so it's yeah. wow. Okay, so so you wouldn't need earmuffs with it or ear defenders. Yeah, I do put um, earmuffs on. I just keep them hung over the handle and um, just pop them on. You know. Do you I keep those? Do, do you keep those locked away? Do you tell you that also? No, no, because they they were thieves, actually given thieves to wouldn't, me. When I, when thieves I wouldn't care about their um, earring. Is that right? Is that the people who steal things don't care about going deaf? I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, I have a still battery powered mower, and it is one of the most amazing things. I love it so much, and it is definitely so quiet and so light, and yet chomps everything up. So well. Uh, I don't use the earmuffs, but I, I do have some earbuds I wear because I'm listening to podcasts while I mow. Maybe you're listening to this one while you mow. If so, hello. Uh, oh, actually, it's the end. Goodbye. That's been News Talk ZB. And I'll say hello tomorrow about the same time. This has all got very weird.